from the dark recesses of my unconscious mind into the glaring light of objective reality. You are listening to the Dark Mind Podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode where we explore the boundless realm of dark literature and film. On today's show, we have a woman whose disembodied voice thrives on the ethereal plane of creepypasta narrative fiction. We'll be discussing her fiction, narration, as well as her voiceover acting. So without further ado, join me as we delve into the dark insight of Danny Dreadful. Adam Dreadful, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, uh, thank you for joining me. I've been following you online for quite some time, so it's good to finally meet you. Yes, I know I've seen and I've been following you as well. Love the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I guess I've basically arrived as far as podcasting is concerned because I have royalty on the show. Oh, okay. I, have, <laughs> I have the queen of dread. Done. Uh, uh, my career is through. <laughs> and I'm not um I did not give myself that name just to no. let you know. So, well, oh no I, no I know. Yeah. Oh no just, you just a you little are, background. <laughs> you are as humble as you are talented. <laughs> oh thank you. It was so weird like one day I just came on the scene I met a bunch of different narrators and someone was just like Danny Dreadful oh my goodness you're the queen of creepypasta and then it just um I don't know, it just caught on. So I was like, well, I'm just going to go with it then. <laughs> My, yeah, I mean, it fits, if the shoe fits. <laughs> <laughs> or the crown. Or the crown, yes. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, I'll ask you about the uh, the throne later. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm a little on the anal retentive side. So I did a little research into the origins of the creepypasta and found that creepypasta is a portmanteau of the words creepy and copypasta. And the story Ted the Caver was probably the earliest example, and it was posted on Angel Fire in 2001. Have you heard anything different? Nope, that is, you hit the nail on the head on that. So Angel Fire, I'm trying to remember what kind of a platform that was. I remember seeing it all the time. 2001, I was 21. Yeah, 2001, I was still in middle school i believe oh my so. god i'm an old <laughs> i'm an old bastard no <laughs> well, well, then I, we won't go any further into angel fire <laughs> so how did you first of all how did you get into narrating creepypastas and how long have you been doing it yeah so that's a great question um so i was really into listening to dark somnium um let's read you know the ogs um, and then I found Romnex, who is, I believe, Dark Somnium's partner, and she had such a wonderful voice. And my husband and I used to listen to them together, like kind of 
to go to sleep to because they had such calming voices, especially Let's Read. And one night he was just like, you know, you should really try this. You should like try your hand at it. And this was probably about five, six years ago. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. And then um, he kind of talked me into it. And I have a background when I was younger. I was in drama club, choir, all of that, and always had a passion for the arts. And it just got to me one day that I wasn't doing anything creative. I didn't have a creative outlet. So I took him up on his, you know, um, his idea. And I just narrated. And that was August or I believe it was like almost two years ago. But I stopped for a while. I It was two years ago. I did a few. And I was like, okay, my personal life was just getting too hectic with my job at the time. I didn't have enough time to do it. I couldn't put as much into it as I would have wanted to. So I took a break and then I came back very strong in April of last year and just been going since. And I know your primary spot is your YouTube channel. Is that still Mm -hmm. the case? It is. Yes. But you do have uh, some audio only uh, podcasts on the podcasting platforms, Spotify and the like. Yep. Yep, I have Spotify and um, Anchor and Apple Podcasts. How has that worked out as far as getting you more exposure? Honestly, um, I feel like I need to be a bit better about uploading. But when I do, I, I was actually ranked number 20 in drama for Germany. And I thought that was pretty cool. But um, I haven't gained many subscribers from that, I don't think. But honestly, that's my own fault because I'm not pushing that as much, I feel like, but that is on my list of things to do for sure. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was curious to know, I mean, you kind of explained the background as, as to how you got started into doing narration, but I always wondered how you figured out that you had a voice for it because I'm talking to you now and, you know, you have a very mellifluous sing song, <laughs> you know, pleasant voice. So I would, if you told me that you did horror narration, I'd kind of like, hmm, uh, how does that work <laughs> out? But then, you know, once you get into narrator mode, all of a sudden things get really creepy. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so how did you, I don't know, fine tune your your narrator voice? Yeah. So actually, it's very funny because if you listen to the first few, I don't have a narrator voice. I was kind of just reading um, and it didn't sound that great. And then one day, I don't know, I just started reading in my voice. And I was like, that's it. Like, that's my voice. I like how this sounds. And it's so I've always I have um like a customer service sales background. So a lot of talking involved. And that was kind of my customer service voice, but fine tuned to make it sound a little bit creepier. And that's kind of how it just came to be one day I was just narrating something I feel like it may have been uh, was it Eilish Jack? It might have been Eilish Jack was the first one that I started narrating using my actual narration voice and just kind of went with it. And I started getting a little bit more recognition when I started doing that. So interesting. Mm-hmm. So when you're looking through stories to choose one to narrate, what are the criteria, so to speak, that you're looking for? And is there anything about a story that will make you automatically disqualify it from consideration? Yeah. So I look for, I really like the voice acting aspect in a lot of the stories. So if there are lines to be read, I really do enjoy those the most. But for just a regular narrating story, it has to be written well. It has to um, 
just kind of just it has to freak me out if i read through it and i get goosebumps i know this is going to be a great story i think my reader or my listeners will really enjoy it but also the disqualifications for me would be animal and child abuse um absolutely i there was one story where i just kind of skimmed through it and it was a uh, it was on the creepy pasta wiki i was like oh this sounds good this looks good and i got to like the very last part and well last paragraph and there was um like the killing of a horse and i completely scrapped the entire audio that was my own fault because i didn't read through it <laughs> but after that i automatically decided like i have to read every single line before um i even consider narrating it yeah so the main i guess sources that you have i, I know you write your own material but uh when you're narrating other people's work you mentioned the creepy wiki is that what you said yeah so there is a creepy pasta wiki which you're allowed to this kind of free reign like free to read but for me i've actually made friends with a few authors where i re i used a lot of their work such as page turner she's amazing um scott donnelly boris basic those are like my three go-to um my friend Creepy Cody writes for me sometimes as well. His work is amazing. So I've kind of, I have a, oh, and also Blake Blizzard. He's awesome as well. So I've made kind of connections with them. So when I'm looking for a story and I'm, I don't want to go through the wiki, I'll just hit one of them up and be like, what do you have for me? And they usually pull through. <laughs> like drug dealers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you uh narrate a lot of other people's stories but you have your originals as well um me personally i would think just as a thought experiment that it would be more enjoyable to read your own material but maybe not do, that uh, is which, true <laughs> which do you prefer so i would say out of mine it, well the authors that i've um i've made friends with i love reading their work i but i also enjoy reading my work if there's random stuff that I find on Reddit or like the free to read creepypasta Reddit, I'm never really super excited to read those unless it's like a really, really good one. But yeah, for me, it's um when I'm narrating my own work, I feel like I'm more comfortable because I'm not as nervous. Like, I guess it's more of a I want to impress the authors that I'm reading for. So for me, it's like a little less pressure if I'm reading something that I wrote myself. Yeah, that's uh, I, I can relate to that. When I was uh, when I was doing, you know, my narrative fiction, there was a lot less pressure because it was just me, mm -hmm. and I, I just had the uh, the audio quality had to measure up to my standards, and like, you know, exactly. Now I'm like, oh, it's, somebody else is involved. I got <laughs> I got to make this shine. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And every time um, I narrate something, like I just so Paige Turner and I, we are working on a. Um, something on my channel we're working on and it's called classics in the rain so what she's been doing is adapting classic horror stories for me so that it's more enjoyable for the listener so that they're not trying to understand like what words are we saying <laughs> so that has been one of my absolute favorite projects that i've worked on so far um those are a little less like oh my gosh is she gonna hate it but um, when she gives me original pieces that she's written, I'm, I always message her. I'm like, I hope you don't hate it. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've noticed definitely with you. Uh, I, I think with Derek, is it Weber? I think. Derek Weber, scary yeah, Derek, stories. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 
I would know the name if I heard it. Who, who's another uh, a female um, narrator that you've collabed with before? Either Amanda Jane, The Darkest Hour. The Darkest Hour, yeah. Yes, no. love her too. Yeah, I've noticed that quite often the ambience is like a rainstorm in the mm -hmm. background. Is that something that's um, kind of synonymous with uh, creepypasta, creepypasta, creepypasta <laughs> narration? Or is that just something that a lot of people just happen to find effective? I think it started probably, I don't even know when it really started. I used to actually put beats behind my my narrations um because i'm really i'm a music lover as well so i thought it would be fun to put beats behind it but then um i guess i heard somewhere that people like to sleep to them and having that music behind it wasn't very effective so i think it has become a common thing in the industry now to just put rain ambiance behind it just so that it gives that sleepy creepy feeling i didn't mean to rhyme there but it kind of <laughs> just happened <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know you have stories that you refer to as sleepy pastas, where I think you're you intentionally make your voice less dynamic. Is yes. that right? Yep, that is correct. There was one that I did um, by my friend Ernest. He's another great, awesome uh, writer. And that was the first one I tried with that. Um, and just kind of like, instead of being more like acting out the parts, I, I just simply read them in a very soft tone and then I put the rain behind it and I've I've gotten some good feedback on that so I'll probably add a little bit more of that into my agenda okay yeah I've noticed uh Derek Weber uses I I think it's called lo-fi yeah just like this real mellow like it's almost like a chill wave uh, yes. techno music I love it. It's it's really cool. He was um he's actually one of my very good friends in the community, probably my best friend besides um Paige Turner. So every time we have ideas, we kind of bounce them off of each other. So when he started doing the the lo-fi like way before even I think I even heard of him. And then I was like, wow, this sounds like Hey Arnold. Like remember when I don't know if you ever watched Hey Arnold that show. Mm -mm, I don't think <laughs> it was, so. It was in the 90s, like a cartoon, but they would always play like really cool lo-fi music behind it. And then we got to talking and he's just he's a real 90s guy, like he loves the 90s. So I was like, I can totally see where that came in. <laughs> I was a little kid back then, but I love the 90s, the cartoons. <laughs> yeah. Did they still have uh, when you were a kid? Had they uh, gotten rid of Saturday morning cartoons yet? No, those were those were pretty amazing. I loved Saturday. And then we also had um, TGIF. Yes. The, yeah. Full House. And yes. Full House. The best. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so do you have to be inspired to write your own material or are there nights where you're just like, all right, I, I need an original. I'm going to sit down and belt it out. Yeah. So lately. Yes, I have been trying to get inspired, but I've been reading a lot of things where it's like you can't wait to be inspired to just start writing. So today was actually the well, nope, I've had three work in progresses right now. It's just been kind of hectic. So I haven't had time to like sit down and really write. But I had another idea today for another one. But I said, nope, going to put that on the back burner until I finish at least one of my work in progresses. Um, but yeah, for me, it's more it used to be more like I have to be inspired. But then sometimes when I am inspired, I can sit there and write up an entire story in one sitting, which I did for Bloody Mary, um, A Good Boy and The Taking Tree. Those I just kind of sat down and wrote all in one sitting. 
Yeah, I, I really liked. Um, it, I think it was a collaboration, and it may have been Paige Turner that adapted uh, that Poe. Um, oh, the, the Telltale, Telltale Heart. Heart. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really nice. Thank you. Yes, I really, really enjoy Poe and Lovecraft too. Is one of my favorites. So I just narrated one of his um, yesterday. Mm. Yeah. Do a lot of people do Lovecraft? Uh, you know, it's not as popular as I thought it would be. I, I kind of, I did a, like a YouTube search the other day just to see what I was kind of up against or if, you know, if people search for Lovecraft. I didn't see that many. I've seen a lot of Edgar Allan Poe, though. Yeah. Seems like a lot more people would do Lovecraft because, I don't know, it's kind of like narration is kind of this weird thing. It's literature because there's writing involved, but there's there's like no hard copy. Uh, but it's not a movie either. It's like this ethereal audio that kind of floats into your ears and, and paints this moving picture in your mind. And, uh, Lovecraft, his writing style was just these strange dreamscapes. It, it yes. seems like the, that would just sync right up with the, the, uh, narrative fiction style. I agree a hundred percent. What I'm noticing in the community is that a lot of people are turning more to, true stories so they're going to like the true reddit things um which personally i i tried it and my heart's just not in it um i'll do like a few true paranormal stories every so often if i if i have a collaboration someone on my channel but for the most part i really do love the classics and that's why Paige turner and i came up with this idea to have these episodes on my channel where it's just called classics in the rain and i'm just narrating classics um that people can understand you know, in the the modern day English, as we say. <laughs> well, speaking about uh, your original stories, can you talk about your inspiration for uh, your story, A Good Boy? And did uh, Anakin have any basis for that character? <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yes. Um, so Anakin is my first dog ever, by the way. I've never had a dog before. And he's my absolute, like, he is my baby. I love him so much. Um, so when I was writing a good boy, um, I was just thinking, I think I was, um, just kind of like talking to my husband. I was like, I want to write a story about a dog that's like turned into a werewolf kind of type thing and just helps his owner because, you know, that's what dogs do. They're, you know, they help their owners out. So I was just sitting there and just thinking about how much I loved Anakin and I just wrote it. That was, that was the one that I just literally wrote in one sitting and I edited it a few times and I was like, all right, this is good. Let's narrate it. (laughs) Anytime I see you post something with him in it, my mind always reverts back to uh, when you first got your camera and you took a picture of Anakin, I guess, on a couch or a bed, and it was in yeah. black and white, and he had this stoic look on his face. For for the listeners at home, uh, go to is it is it a a post that they can find on your? your oh yeah, okay. yeah. My my go, Instagram is public. <laughs> yeah, go to uh, Danny Dreadful's Instagram and look for this black and white photo of her dog Anakin. It looks just like those old ads in Details Magazine from the 90s for cologne. And he's just got this stoic look on his face. I'm just this thought bubble popped in my head. No one understands me. I'm a lone wolf. (laughs) I laughed so hard when you messaged me that. (laughs) But yeah, I love like I have my two cats as well. I love them to death. I love them all. They're my babies. But Anakin is just 
he's just something else. I don't know. Yeah, he's uh, he's the personality of three. <laughs> oh, for sure. He um, we have this game we play every morning. It's kind of like based on how many socks he steals from the bedroom or he finds socks randomly all the time. And based on how many socks he brings me, I know how hectic my day is going to be. So this morning he found two socks and I was like, okay, okay. It's not going to be that bad. And then I think he found like three more as I was working and I was like, Oh my goodness. All right. Day's going to get hectic. And by the end of the day, it was like six socks. I was like, yep, that determines my day. <laughs> so. Oh God, we have a uh, a multi poo, and somewhere in there is some Jack Russell Terrier mm. because this dog is out of its mind. Like he's, <laughs> he's eight years old, and he has the energy of a puppy. When he gets really excited, he spins around in circles like a Jack Russell. Oh my gosh! Um, what's the other thing he does? That's there's something I'm missing. I guess just the, that and the insane amount of energy he has. But, uh, yeah, he is, uh, he wears me out. Cause what, I, I don't know what eight translates to in dog years, but he's gotta be older than me. Yeah. And I was just like, dude, <laughs> come on, man, let's go to sleep. <laughs> oh my goodness. That literally sounds like Anakin. He's, he's such a handful. He's a Pomsky. So he's a Pom Pomeranian Husky. And like when we first got him, he was so chill. I mean, this is literally the first night he was so chill. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be so good. He's going to be such a good boy. And, you know, the next day he got comfortable and it was just hectic craziness. But I wouldn't have it any other way. He keeps us on our toes and, you know, exercising because he likes to run around the house chasing the cats and I have to chase him. Those are also that's how I get my vocal warm ups in before recording. I usually have to yell at him to stop chasing Miss Megatron or Emmy. So. Yeah, you know, when I when I was doing narration, speaking of vocal warm-ups, when I was doing uh doing narration and just, you know, podcasting in general, I used to think is like if you're born with a cool voice, then you're just lucky. You can do voiceover. It doesn't require any more talent than just being, you know, <laughs> born with a cool voice. And good God, like I, I was talking to an audio engineer that um, works for the city that I work for, and he was talking about I think he said uh, he had actually been involved in some project where that main um, voiceover guy that does all of the uh, uh, movie trailers. I forget what his name is. I think he's like in his 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, if, if you hear a movie trailer, you've pretty much heard his voice. And he's like, yeah. you know. Because I was has, I was asking him about technical stuff like audio repair software, and he's like, you know, uh, a lot of people process their voices like you're talking about, but true voiceover actors, actresses, it's just them. They they know how to control the dynamics of their voice. They know how to work out their voice and to form words to keep mouth clicks from occurring and just like good god <laughs> yeah it's it's honestly it's it's an art it definitely is it takes a lot of practice it's a craft uh you have to constantly be practicing um that's another thing derek weber and i we we're always like sending each other um whether it be like youtube tutorials or some kind of um voiceover techniques whatever videos so that we're on top of what we're doing and just making sure that we're giving the best quality talent wise and also audio wise. He's really good with all of the audio stuff. I am not. <laughs> I, I like, I set up my studio and it's been how it is. And I use garage bands for my narrations. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, a lot of things I learned in the past year because it's, it's just 
the technical part is not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the technical part and uh, uh, Anakin starring in a uh, clone ad, um, <laughs> well, where are you at with the camera? Like, uh, as far as I think you said you were thinking about actually um, filming yourself doing the narration? Or Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So that is going to be a very fun project going forward I'm going to be working on. Um, I have not yet recorded. I just got back from vacation. So I decided once I was back from vacation and refreshed, um, I would go ahead and start recording. So that will probably be coming uh, the end of this month, I'm hoping. But what I'm going to the premise is going to be, I'm going to be basically just telling stories as I would narrating. But for some of them, I want to be a little bit interactive. So for Halloween, I have a really cool special that Paige and I are going to be working on where it's going to be more interactive rather than cool. me just sitting there behind behind the camera. Just I want to, I want it to be more like I'm a best friend telling you a scary story. That is kind of the vibe I want to give. So, because I know some other narrators, they have been doing um, on-camera readings, which is awesome and I love it. I just want to be a little bit more interactive and being like, hey, like, I'm your best friend. I'm telling you a story. Let me creep you out, kind of. Mm -hmm. So, so you're not going to do it with a cat in your lap, petting it like a Bond villain? I mm -hmm. might. I oh, mean, okay. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't count that out, you know, like automatically. Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Because, I mean, you know. I want to stay in character, too, and be like the queen of dread and just I have ideas for it. I'm probably not explaining it right. I have like a million ideas going on in my head. Today was one of those days. I don't know if you have those where you're just like you think of 10 million things that you want to do and then you write them all down and then you go back to it, which I'll probably go back to it tomorrow and be like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. <laughs> but today was just one of those days where I just had so many things going on in my head about how I want to kind of revamp my channel because narration is wonderful and I want to keep doing it, but I also want to, I want to gain some more subs from it as well and um, hopefully make a living off of this one day. So that would be nice. So I'm just thinking of different ideas on, on how to do that and keep the, um, the subs and my friends entertained. Mm -hmm. Well, did you, uh, did you ever find a, a throne? So I decided. It was not a child. <laughs> Being sold into slavery. Oh, the Wayfair thing. I totally forgot about that. When for, as soon as you said that. For, for, for everybody at home, you remember that conspiracy theory that Wayfair was was trafficking children by uh, having pieces of furniture that were, you know, like just mundane pieces of furniture that were going for like $80,000. Well, that apparently happened to Madam Dreadful. And then <laughs> it, what was it? It was a throne, but it was like $10,000. Okay. So it was a $6,000 throne. It was beautiful, black, and just like, it just looked gothic. And I was like, I need this for my house. So I'm like, all right. It was $6,000 and I think it went on sale for like, I think it was like $2.99 or something or like $500. And I was really trying to convince myself to buy it. And I was like, you know what? I mean, if I buy a secret lab chair, it's going to be around the same price anyway. So I can totally, I can totally get this. And then you messaged me. You're like, remember Wayfair? I was like, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's just so, so weird. I, I mean, I. Wayfair, this is this is a completely uh, uh, unbiased, um, <laughs> neutral position on the conspiracy theory. So <laughs> it was just a funny thing. It wasn't yeah. just something <laughs> not, we noticed, you know, but I have not 
decided on a throne yet. I'm going to wait a little bit on that. I have a really cool, not really cool. I mean, it's a comfy chair. Just maybe paint it black or something. I don't know. Nice. Those, uh, th- so the secret lab are the, uh, kind of the gaming chairs, right? They are. Yeah. And they're just super comfortable. My husband has one and I was sitting in it the other day. I was like, wow, this is, this is magical. Mm. <laughs> so, they're, but they're worth the money. Definitely. Yeah. For sure. Maybe I should upgrade. <laughs> yeah. You totally should. They're on the higher priced end, but I feel like they're so worth it because the material's really good. And there's a, I guess there are gaming chairs. So gamers use them and there's uh, like, a setting where you can just put it all the way back and you can kind of just fall asleep on it. Jealous. I need a new chair. <laughs> well, so what kind of atmosphere do you have to have to, uh, to write? I know you have a recording studio, but when you're writing, are you on the couch with a laptop or. So I do everything in my recording area. It's like my inspirational area. Usually what I do is I'll turn the lights off. I'll put my twinkle lights on my oh. lightning bolt. Um, yeah. <laughs> I love, I love, I've the seen the lightning here. bolt. I haven't seen the twinkle lights. Oh, so those are behind me. Um, so I basically have, uh, I have so many layers behind me, um, when I'm recording it's, so it's a curtain and then I have a mover blanket, like a mover's blanket and then a black, uh, sheer sheet and then the, um, the twinkle lights behind it. So that when I'm recording, it's like nice and quiet but also pretty so those are behind me so usually i don't um sometimes on my instagram videos i'll take a video with them behind me so next time i'll be sure to tag you and be like see the twinkle lights <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's what i've got on my got behind me right now is one of those moving blankets they're so effective they're so good yeah i definitely am jealous of of your uh recording studios is it like it's a small area yeah so when we bought this house, um, there's like a media room, like a media tech room. And my husband is actually a programmer. So he thought this room was going to be his. He was like, yep, this is going to be a cool like tech room for me, movie room. And we, I was excited to make it into a movie room. And then I started getting into narrations. And he's like, well, you can't be recording. He's like, you can if you want, like record in a closet. But why don't we make a space for you that's just your own? So... This area was supposed to have like built-in cabinets and everything. So when we um got the house built, we said like no built-ins, we're just going to kind of leave it. And then it's like this tiny little space where it's kind of like a snack bar area it was supposed to be for the media room, but we just kind of turned it into my studio. It's pretty small, but it's comfortable for me. And like I said, like you put the twinkle lights on, turn off the lights and it's just it's heaven for me. <laughs> mm, God. Yeah, I always get those advertisements for those crazy um, lighting effects. Like you can get the strips that go uh, along the crown molding and yeah. uh, you can line your desk and your uh, all your other furniture with it. And it's like strobing. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I need to do that one of these days. You know, Amazon definitely has some great I have. Um, well, for the media room, it's like the media room itself is pretty a decent size. So I had my day job work desk on the other side. And I had LED strips all along them so that it kind of gave me the I love working vibe, you know? <laughs> so, um, no, but side note, I really do love my day job. But um, <laughs> uh, so I just basically decided that I'm just going to get rid of that desk, though, and just kind of work in my studio. Because I, I mean, I don't need two separate desks, I feel like. Just plug in one laptop, 
unplug the other when I'm doing something, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, so you said you uh, do your own audio, um, Mm -hmm. I guess, video as well? Yes. Yes. So basically with MacBook, it just makes it so easy to do. I use um, iMovie for my movies or my videos and Canva Pro. So Canva Pro is like twelve ninety nine, not sponsored. I wish that'd be awesome. Yeah, I but, use Canva. I don't. I don't have Canva Pro, but I use uh, I use Canva to kind of box um, pictures in a particular way, whether it's for a post or a story. Yeah, I love Canva. Like I was using the regular version, but then I started running out of photos to use for my thumbnails. So when I upgraded to Pro, it kind of just unlocked all of these different creepy photos. Um, so I pretty much used that. And then uh, for my thumbnail making, and then also I use that for my uh, videos. I'll like, for instance, my last video, Dagon by HP Lovecraft, it like, takes place in the ocean. So for the video, I just found a ship in a storm kind of thing. So it kind of went with the rain ambiance on top of like the ship. Because um, that's what I was going to ask you. I was like, are you a graphic designer? But those are stock photos you're, you're oh, using? Oh, yeah. Everything's oh, okay. stock. And then I'll like add my touches to it, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you have a background in that at all? Or you just kind of learn as I, you as you go? I don't. So for a few months before, I was trying to figure out what I kind of wanted to do with my life. I think like every... 30 something year old <laughs> Mike goes through that <laughs> um wait till I, your midlife crisis <laughs> <laughs> so i guess in my late 20s i would say like when i first moved to texas i was like i don't want to be in customer service anymore i just don't want to do it but what do i want to do with my life and that kind of went into the whole like thing where my husband was like you should try narrating but before that there was coding danny <laughs> And I taught myself um, how to build websites and it was fun. Like the whole putting together a website was really fun. But once it got to the back end stuff, um, like actually making the website functional, that wasn't fun for me. So I taught myself kind of like the graphic design part, which was amazing. And I kind of took that into what I'm doing now. But then I decided, nope, I can't do this my whole life. I just can't. (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know the feeling. (laughs) (laughs) So in your story, there's something in the basement. You make mention of a true story that I've heard you tell before about an incident where you were walking down some basement stairs and tripped and started to fall. But then some unseen force grabbed you by the neck of your sweater and pulled you back. Um, Was that basement in your house that you grew up in? And uh, can you tell us about your experiences with it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my parents, we always rented houses. So we lived in that rental for probably, uh, yeah, like a good portion of my life we lived in there. But it was and this a was bar- this was where? Uh, this was in New Jersey. New Jersey. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's where Danny Dreadful originates from. But, <laughs> Jersey girl. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> Oh, it's funny. Side note. Um, every time I tell a story, I really try to not drop my Jersey accent. Oh. And there was one day where I said water and daughter. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. This, but it was left in there. It's OK. <laughs> um, no, but, no judgment here. This is <laughs> this is a safe space. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so that house was built in. Actually, I looked it up after. I started, well, as I was writing the story, I became really intrigued. I was like, I wonder how old that house actually is. It was built in 1908. 
Um, it's a very old house. There was always something creepy about the basement and the attic. And my sister and I would always talk about it. Like I would hear footsteps and we lived on the top floor. So there was, it was a two family house. We had neighbors that lived under us and then us and then the attic. So clearly there shouldn't be anybody in the attic, right? Mm -hmm. So the attic was very creepy, but the basement felt really sinister. But there was one time I was doing the laundry and Oh my gosh. I was just, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was like these, the way the stairs were, they were very steep. And if you made a wrong turn, you would, or like if you ran down too fast, you can like break your neck basically. And I was just, I just remember something grabbing me back, like saving me. And at the time I was like, well, you know, my aunt had just passed away. So I thought maybe, you know, it was her protecting me or maybe it was something else sinister that was like, saving me so that they could do something. I don't know. But whatever it was, um, I did not fall down the stairs that day, thank God, because that would have been awful. Yeah, you had to survive to become the queen of dread. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't really have um it was more of a like a childhood fear, I guess. My uh, mother's Canadian, so um obviously we don't have any basements here in Texas or at least you know, yeah. commonplace residential basements. But my uh, mom is Canadian and she grew up on a farm and she grew up in this house that was built in 1910 and it had a basement and you go down and you hit a landing and from that landing you go out to the backyard and then you continue down into the basement uh, down another flight of steps and to the right there was some sort of pump I don't know mm -hmm. what kind of a pump it was. It was bolted to the ground and it had pipes going to and fro. So it looked like this big, like reptilian insect looking thing. It, it was just like it freaked me out and it would randomly kick on and off. So I never wanted to go down there. And it was there in the dark where that, you know, you could turn lights on, but this corner, there was no light. So it was just this dark little eerie uh, presence. Yeah. And, um, so I never wanted to go to the uh, the basement, but if you wanted ice cream, the ice cream came in these big pails and mm -hmm. they didn't keep them in the upstairs freezer because they took up too much room. They kept them downstairs. Oh, my so gosh. So I had to make the decision, how bad do I want ice cream when I'm nine years old or six yeah. years old, however. But yeah, I haven't really experienced anything that I would call paranormal uh, but you had mentioned that you were having some strange occurrences in the house you're at now. Yes. And, and upon further investigation, I think the surrounding area had a bit of a dark history. It did. Yes. So, oh, all right. So it has like knock on wood. Am I, am I traumatizing you by bringing up <laughs> no. all this stuff? Okay. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it's my life. It, right. You know, I, I live in horror, so I love it. Um, not necessarily when it's happening, but it was very strange when we first moved in. So this is a brand new house. We've had it built. Um, it's a new neighborhood. It's surrounded by a lake, which is Lake Louisville. And this lake, apparently there's a graveyard underneath it. So underneath that's the a, lake, underneath the lake. Okay. Yeah. So that to me right off the bat was just crazy and creepy. And then I was kind of like digging into, I was like, okay, dark history of Lake Louisville. And there have been multiple occurrences of shadow people. So these dark figures that like when people see them at night or during the day at the edge of the lake, they just feel, for lack of a better word, dread. 
and just um they, they feel sick and it was so strange because going back to it all right so first it started occurring oof maybe like a few months after we moved in and like the attic door was open and the way that the attic door is I don't know why it's always me in attics or me in basements, but like you said, we don't have basements here, so it must be the attic. <laughs> um, so the attic door is, it has to remain locked, basically. So there is a key that we keep, and we keep the door locked, and we keep the key um, somewhere else. And I kid you not, three or four times, I've walked upstairs, and the attic door is wide open. And my first concern was not oh my God, there's a ghost in the house. It was, oh my God, did the cats get in there? Are they like, cause the way the attic is, they can technically fall through. So like automatically I was just like, my babies, like they can't go in there. So my husband loves playing tricks on me. So (laughs) it's like our thing. Like he'll just hang up random scary photos around the house Mm -hmm. and like try like around the corner and try to freak me out. We have this one, um, he prints her out. She's like a scary Japanese lady and he'll like just put her, in random spots when I'm not like when I'm least expecting it. And we named her Norma. So one day I'm coming up the stairs and I just see Norma's head <laughs> staring at me. Um, Your husband sounds like a fun guy. <laughs> he is. <laughs> so I've been with him for 10 years already, but <laughs> never a dull moment. <laughs> never. So like I'll text him and be like, damn it, Norma got me. So <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, you know, my initial reaction was, haha, that's funny, but don't do that because my freaking cats could get in there and get hurt. And he's like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, did you open the attic door to freak me out? And he's like, no. And he can put on a pretty good game face when he's really trying to freak me out. And oh, I hate that. <sighs> but I, but I knew like at that moment, like he wasn't lying. Like I can tell it's like something like he's really good at it, but sometimes I can, I can tell and I just, cause I think he saw how freaked out I was and he, and if he did open the attic door, he would have told me. So I'm looking, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, at least nobody's living in our attic. Great. Close the door. I lock it. Felt like just panic in a sense. I'm like, all right, it'll be fine. And then a few days later, same thing. The attic door is wide open. And I'm like, it has to be something like, I don't know. Like, so for me, I think that was the second time when I was just like, okay, there's a ghost in here. And my husband's a pretty logical thinker, I guess, in a sense. And he's like, no, it's probably this, this, and this. And he gave me a whole list of reasons like or ideas of what it could be. And I'm saying, they're like, nope, there's a ghost in here. There's a ghost. And fast forward, it's like this all happened like within the same month. And it was like September, maybe. I think it was September of last year. And then... All of a sudden I'm recording and I get this. I think that's probably what you heard um, when I posted it to my Instagram, like the weird recording that I picked up. So there was just a very weird voice on there and it sounded like either help me or hello or something, but I couldn't make out what it was. And I thought like, okay, I was using audacity to record at the time. So I was like, all right, let me, let me see. Maybe it's just like the program or something. But I got freaked out. I turned off everything. I was like, goodbye. I'm done. I'm done for tonight. And then it happened again, like a few weeks later. And I wasn't using Audacity at that time. I was using GarageBand. So I was like, okay, is it my mic? What is going on? But then it stopped. But then like little nuances, like little things started happening where I would smell smoke in the house. And that's when 
I got really freaked out. And my husband said like he thought he saw smoke the other one day. And then our fire alarms started going off one night. It was weird because it was literally on the dot. It was like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., 6 a.m. But there was no, like nothing was wrong. But it was weird because it was literally the same week that he said that he saw some, like it looked like there was like a mist or a smoke or something. And that's when he started to believe me, I think. So now we're just kind of convinced that there's something in our house. Um, I did some, you know, some sage mm. and stuff. What do you call and- that? Uh Smudging. Smudging, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I did that. Um, but lately, knock on one, nothing has happened since. But it's still very freaky. And the whole history behind um, the shadow people, which is actually I'm going to talk about some true shadow people encounters on my channel this month as well. So, yeah, that was going to be my question is, are you going to do a story about the house and the history of the area? I do want to do that. I actually want to do a whole series on just, oh, that was the word I was looking for before with page turner. We're doing a series. Thank mm. you. See, okay. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I want to do a series on like haunted Texas. I think that would be pretty cool and uh-huh. just kind of like turn it into like story format. And that's, that's something I definitely want to do. Um, One of these upcoming series. So would that be like serial or would each episode stand on its own? I think each episode would probably stand on its own. So I'd kind of go into like maybe the haunted history of North Texas and then like Central Texas, West Texas, South Texas, maybe something like that. See, today I had like a whole bunch of ideas and that was one of them. So not thought out yet. (laughs) Well, as long as you're writing them down in some way. Yeah. 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 I know what that's like to have like nine irons in the fire and you don't get you don't like finish one of them. So they all just... They all get deformed in the fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you left them in too long. So uh, I guess it's obvious you're a fan of horror movies, right? Absolutely. Yes. What is your favorite subgenre? Like- so, oof. all right. So I would say definitely found footage and paranormal for sure. I do like the slasher movies, but if I had to choose, I'm really into the found footage movies and the paranormal Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um I watched what I believe kind of begun the whole found footage subgenre, mm-hmm. and <laughs> it I don't know that I'm happy that I did. It, it just had so much controversy surrounding it. Was that movie Cannibal Holocaust? Oh, I haven't seen that one. How you do, have I you not, do seen not that? want to because there's okay. <laughs> there's there's actual killing of animals in it. Oh, then no. It was yeah. uh, it was made in the I want to say the late seventies or early eighties or something like that, and the ethics of the way it was made were a little sketchy. And they did, I won't get into it because you'll start crying, and then the show will yes. be ruined. But <laughs> <laughs> they did kill savagely kill three animals. Oh and my goodness! It, and you know, I mean, it, if if it was special effects it would be hard enough to watch but knowing that it was actually happening was oh just God. like oh see that's the thing like if there's killing of an animal in a movie i can like not like that though but like in a, a sfx or whatever i'll be okay because i like i really mentally prepare myself as soon as i see an animal on the screen i'm like okay mentally prepare yourself there's an animal um even my husband will say like hey babe there's a dog so just prepare yourself because you know how like, all these movies now, I feel like they like to tug on our heartstrings and give us those types of kills, which I hate. But it happens in most horror movies now. 
and I can mentally prepare myself. I won't be happy about it. I'll close my eyes or I'll walk out of the room and come back. But just knowing that that movie actually did that, oof, that makes me so mad. Mm -hmm. So when you said you said found footage and then you said paranormal, were you talking about paranormal, the category or like paranormal activity, the movie? Oh, the category, category. but I do okay. love the paranormal activity movies too. <laughs> so what are what are some of your favorites from those subgenres? Uh, I would say Hell House. Have you seen those? The found footage? Mm -mm. Like, okay, so the Hell House series is really good. Um and then for paranormal, like anything, oof, there's so many of them. I love the conjuring movies for sure. Oh god, yes. Yeah, I, I'm kind of strange. I like some I, I usually like the extreme stuff, but like mm -hmm. the conjuring, I don't know what it is about those movies like they're it, good <laughs> and they don't like, you know, you know how almost any genre of movie, the sequels just get like progressively shittier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the conjuring, it's just like, boom, boom, boom. Just I know. Yeah. And like every time it's so weird like every time after i watch them i have to go watch real videos on lorraine and ed warren like it's just a thing I, every mm -hmm. single time i'll watch the movie actually my sister she had come to visit and we watched um i think she said she like never seen the conjuring movies and i was like get out of my house no i'm just blasphemer <laughs> unclean <laughs> yeah. so i was like well we have to change that so um we put it on and then like i remember like that night, I just spent hours watching like, <laughs> YouTube footage of Ed and Lorraine. And I was like, oh, I'm like obsessed with it. But I really do love those movies. And like you said, sometimes the sequel, well, most of the time the sequels are just garbage. But um, no, these are always good. Yeah, I saw, what is it? The fourth one, The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh, yeah. yeah I yeah. saw it with a friend. What was that? HBO Max, I think they yeah. come out briefly mm -hmm. when they're still in the theaters. So, yeah, I saw it on HBO Max with a buddy of mine. And then me and my fiance went to the theater and saw it. A lot of movies. I'm like, OK, I've already seen it. I mean, it was good, yeah. but I don't need to see it again. But there are those movies that it's like, yeah, multiple times. Blade Runner 2049 is one of those movies. I think I saw uh. it three <laughs> times in the theater and about four <laughs> times when I bought it when it came out. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm I think that and then I would say um even though it's more of a slasher film, um I enjoyed the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre that came out on Netflix. I didn't hate it. Um the ending, I'm not going to spoil it for anyone who didn't see it yet, but I like that they like kind of left it open. So hopefully we see a little bit more of that. But an Amityville horror is one of my favorites as well. Mm. Yeah, you uh, you mentioned the Warrens. I saw on Instagram a uh, I can't remember his name. He's an indie author that I follow. Uh, he posted some pictures of him and his wife next to the Warrens' grave. Oh wow! And I cannot remember where they're buried. I'll have to look that up. But yeah, yeah. I didn't know there was a grave to go to, but apparently there is. Huh? Was that is cool. interesting. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> <laughs> so um. In your story, The Last Thanksgiving, you make mention of the pandemic and a food shortage, which I think is a really good way to heighten the fear of the story by using real life terror in the narrative. Are there any horror or thriller movies that you like that do exactly that, utilize real world events to elevate the horror? Yes, there was a movie I had just watched and it is, oh my gosh, the title is escaping me. Um Mother Android, it's called. Mother Android. Okay. Um, so it was basically about um, it's Chloe Grace Moretz. 
and I don't know, can't remember who the other person is, but basically, I guess it could be horror. It's more sci-fi, but um, all these people, they, they start using robots as their maids and all that. And then one day the robots just decide like, hey, I'm going to take over. And you kind of think of it as, all right, so Tesla's always trying or Elon Musk's always trying to like push these new robots on us and stuff. And what happens if that does come true? And it was just, it was really interesting just the way like, because the girl in it, she actually gets pregnant or she knows she's pregnant. And then like all this stuff happens, like this whole war happens and it's like post-apocalyptic type of world that they're living in. And she's still, you know, having the baby and it's just crazy. And it's scary because it's like, what if that happens? And then it, it I like movies like that because it really does get you to think like, are we progressing too much with these robots? And would I get one? Yeah, probably, because I'd hate folding laundry, and I'd love a robot to fold laundry for me. <laughs> but, yeah. But then, yeah, I really lo- I do like movies like that. Yeah, it's weird how when it comes to tech, it's like you want the comfort of your own demise. Like, exactly. Like, I, I fear this, but I don't want to be without it. It's so exactly. amazing. <laughs> it's yeah. like the, the cell phone, Um, you know, you can picks up your location it tells you your like everything basically with my job i have to look at a a lot of websites and every day on instagram i'm getting ads for a website that i've already looked at like you know and it's just weird because the what i guess like because it's all connected to the wi-fi but it's just so strange i remember the first day um i started at my current job and i was looking something up and then like three hours later it's like i get an ad on instagram for it like (laughs) really Yeah, that's where uh, that's where all of the technology for the internet is going. Uh, advertising and porn. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you talk about scary. Have you heard of uh, Elon Musk's? Um, I, I mean, I think it's on the back burner right now, but there was a time that he was talking about it, and I think you can still find a um, TED talk on it. Uh, the Neuralink, the chip that goes in your brain. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely heard about that. And I'm just like, oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, like, it sounds too crazy to be true. But, you know, because you're using, you know, the premises, I guess you're able to use your mind to transmit commands like looking something up in the Internet and and being able to interpret that. But when you think about it, what is language other than you making noises with your mouth to implant a thought in the person that you're talking to? And that's that's coming from a, you know, a thought process in your mind. So if you can transmit the thought process or correlates of consciousness, I think they call it to these sounds you make with your mouth to get a request or a command or something uh, off to somebody else. Why couldn't you just bypass that and just go straight into a computer interface? Yeah, it's (sighs) my goodness. But while we're on the subject, I just thought of another one of my absolute favorite movies. Okay. Um, I Am Legend, Mm. you know, because the whole premise of that story was basically like people were with cancer or taking this pill and then they turn into, you know, these zombie like vampire creatures. Um, And I a few weeks ago, I heard like something about a, a pill being like distributed that can possibly cure cancer, which sounds amazing. But then my mind automatically went to, oh, my gosh, we're going into I Am Legend. Like, this is we're going to be a zombie pollination. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's one of my favorite movies as well. 
but I was uh, listening to uh, Lex Friedman's podcast the other day, and he had on this um, some sort of a computer or no, I don't think it was a computer background. Maybe it was a biology background. But anyway, he said that they're trying to develop a program that replicates the human cell processes. So the the working theory is if they can develop a working model of the way that a human cell behaves, they can actually use the chemical formula for a pharmaceutical drug and make a computer model of how it will react with human cells so that instead of doing experiments in the lab and on animals, mm -hmm. they can do all that in a computer model until the last trials at the end when they're, I guess, distributing them as a um, as an experimental drug to people. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's. That's I like crazy. it when people try to do things like that. Right, exactly, <laughs> you know? exactly. The, the other dystopian stuff just kind of freaks me out. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, when I was, uh, when I was looking up the origins of the creepypasta, I found something that sounds kind of like – it sounds like a creepypasta itself. And I've wondered if anybody has made a creepypasta about this true life creepypasta-related event. Have you ever heard of the uh, Slender Man? The Slenderman, yep, the Slenderman killings. Are wow. you going to talk about that? Yeah. Wow. So that is actually one of my things that I want to write about. <laughs> okay. Has anybody yeah. else done it? I haven't seen it. Like I've seen a lot of like true crime podcasts or um, YouTubers touch on it, but I haven't seen anyone like make an actual story about the killings and like kind of tell it in narration form. But Slenderman, um, that was my goodness. When I was actually following that case, I remember just... Oh, isn't I one of know. them out right now on supervision? Yeah. yeah, out on supervision because they said she was like mentally insane. So she didn't get charged. I don't know. Um, well, from what I read, both of them got that uh, mentally unfit mm -hmm. for trial or whatever. Yeah. But one got 25 to life and the other got 45 to life. So I'm thinking maybe one was kind of the conspirator and kind of yeah. influenced the other person. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's basically what happened. There was one girl, I believe, who like literally was the killer and the other girl was kind of just like accessory, accessory to murder. Uh -huh. There's actually a movie on it. I It's like a documentary. I believe it's on Netflix. It was on Netflix when I watched it. But that's kind of where I first heard about it. Um, but she didn't die, though, right? No. Okay. No, no, yeah. No. She was in the hospital for six days, yeah. I think. Did I say killer? I, I didn't mean killer. No, I, <laughs> I was just making sure I had it right. Yeah. I just, no, no, no. You're right. My research was not that in depth, so <laughs> I could have it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's just a sad thing. It's like you take something that's supposed to be like a lore, you know, like a, a, like something to scare people and then you turn it into this thing. And then I know there, there was probably an uproar in the creepypasta community. I could imagine. I wasn't really, I wasn't part of it at that time. It happened a while ago, but it's just, uh, I actually have a poster of Slender Man in my, my media room, but you know. Um, so it was kind of a meme that a lot of people wrote about, or was it, cause I, I there was one author, I think Knudsen was his last name. Uh, mm -hmm. let's see. Eric Knudsen, if I'm pronouncing that right, also known as Victor Surge. Mm -hmm. But did other people pick up on that and write their own stories about Slenderman? There are a few I've seen um, on the Creepypasta wiki. I've seen like renditions of Slenderman, but 
nothing quite like talking about the actual killings, but uh, Slender Man, um, I believe he was the original creator of Slender Man, if I'm not mistaken. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure who originated, um, originally wrote about him, but he was just, he's an OG creepypasta creature. Yeah. So, uh, it, so is that one of the many ideas you've got on the burner? It is. Yeah. I, oh. That one's been on there for months, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, I really just need to prioritize certain things. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, moving on to lighter things. You seem like someone that loves Halloween and would be the type of person that would go all out. So what is Halloween like in the dreadful household? Oh, it's so boring. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am totally kidding. I call um, bullshit. <laughs> um, so last year, well, we moved into our house and I kept saying, like, I want to throw a huge Halloween party, but then pandemic hit. So um, we didn't throw a big Halloween party. We just decorated. I'm, I do, I start um, what I call Halloween hall um, around late July, early August, because that's when stuff starts hitting stores. But last year, we kind of went all out and we did a pretty big party. Um, we just turned our house into like a haunted mansion. Like <laughs> we turned it into like a very haunted looking house. Um, we changed out like all the light bulbs to red bulbs. Uh, we had like a, a room where you can just take scary photos and stuff. It was pretty cool. Um, of course, the food. I'm a huge foodie as well. So I think we did paella. We ordered like a... Did we do pie? No, no, no. We did Greek food. So we catered Greek food. And then I made um, Halloween snacks. Like I think I did definitely did jello shots. And the thing with me is that I like to name things. So the jello shots were like goblin snot, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but basically last Halloween, I did a 13 days of Halloween series on my channel. So every single day for 13 days I was uploading, but I didn't prepare it as well as I should have. So October for me last year was kind of a little stressful because I'm like, oh my God, I have to get a video out tonight. I have to get a video out tonight. So this year I am starting now and preparing for Halloween, but Halloween's um, pretty much all year around for me. My husband tolerates me. <laughs> um, he's not. <laughs> what is his background? He's a software engineer. Oh, okay. So, so he's a very, yeah. he's a very <laughs> yeah. uh, straightforward, um, yep. <laughs> calculating. Yeah. Okay. Very I'm just, I'm just so. trying to put into perspective the, the, um, I guess the dynamic between you two. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, it's so funny because <laughs> every time I um, I'll do something crazy. Like I'll not crazy, but I'll like I'll buy a skull or something, and he'll just look at me and he'll be like another one. And I'm like, you know what you married, like you know, you know. So, <laughs> you signed up for this. Accept and he's it. like, he's like, I I didn't know it was that bad. It's like, well, <laughs> you know what. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think we balance each other out very well because yeah. I am. He's more of like the serious one, but I'm like the goofy, crazy, like purple haired girl that just likes to have fun so you're gonna have to tell him to email me his uh arm workout i uh <laughs> i need to <laughs> i need to step up my game a little bit oh man like he's um so i guess just like so last year i had fractured my foot and just was just like i'm just gonna eat my feelings away so now this year we're like back at the gym hardcore so he used to be a marine as well so he's okay. putting me through like boot camp mm -hmm. and been really fun <laughs> <You> <laughs> I, 
I don't. I, you don't have the uh, the strength of your conviction in that <laughs> statement. Uh, um, so, can you tell me? I know you've got a, a day job and you have the um, the narration, but I heard something about some voiceover work. You doing the voice of a video game character? Yes, um, I don't believe I'm allowed to say exactly which video game it is yet, but I did get a. Um, a nice lead female role for a video game. Um, and it's based off of a book. So I'm super excited. Um, so that we haven't started recording or anything. They're still kind of getting the ins and outs together and writing up the script still, but it was really cool that, um, that was my first real voice acting thing that I ever auditioned for. And I got it. So I was like, wow, that's really cool. <laughs> so this, this would be like the first. Uh, professional voiceover work you've done? Yes, that okay. is correct. Well, congratulations. Then, <laughs> thank you. Um, and also, I just finished up my first audiobook. And what? that, yes, so that one I'm super excited about. And the author, um, I don't want to promote it yet. It's just like certain things where it's like, am I allowed to say it? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he wouldn't mind. But um, after I sent it to him, he sent me a lot of praise and asked me if I want to do five or 25 more books for him. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah, so um, that should be coming out soon. We're thinking probably August, I think he said. And then um, I also just got casted in a fun animation project um, that's going to be on YouTube by another fellow narrator who wrote another, like he just pretty much wrote up an entire script for a bunch of voice actors who wanted to actually try their hand. I am playing... The Queen of Hell, not the Queen of Dread, but the Queen of Hell. <laughs> uh, you know. Yeah. Same, uh, you know, one in its own. But. That's, uh, <laughs> dread is a is a mental state. Hell is a place. That's there you <laughs> like you're, you're moving up in the world. <laughs> I am. Um, but I auditioned for that right before I was for vacation. And well, I auditioned for another part. And I was like, oh, I definitely didn't get it because I didn't. It was at the point where I knew I was getting burnt out. So even though I really wanted to audition, my mindset wasn't really there. So I didn't get the part I auditioned for, but then he had messaged me. He's like, I've been too excited. I know you're on vacation, but I just can't stand it anymore. And he like announced that I got the part, which I thought was amazing. And it made my vacation. Um, and then he emailed me a few days ago asking if I can do a secondary character. I sent that in yesterday and I'll be in uh, one of the first episodes as well. Outstanding. My God. I love voice acting. I never thought like when I was younger, I really looked up to EJ Daly. She was um she played like Tommy Pickles in Rugrats. And she was I when I found out when I was younger that a girl voiced that, I just became like enthralled, like, oh my gosh, like women can do this. Like that's not mm -hmm. a guy, that's not a baby talking. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um I kind of just Well you know uh what is it? Is it Lisa Cartwright, the the voice of Bart Simpson? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Or Nancy mm -hmm. Cartwright, is it? Oh. Is it Nancy? I thought it was Lisa. Lisa Carter, it might be Nancy. Yeah. I'm not sure. Oh, Lisa's his sister in the show. It's probably oh, Nancy yeah. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had no idea that was a woman. <laughs> right. And um, just it's it's so amazing what people can do with their voices. And that, that's the thing. As much as I love narrating and I'm going to continue to narrate, I love the voice acting aspect of it. Yeah. It's kind of it. Well, not kind of. It's an art. Like It is for sure. Mm hmm. 
And it's like, there are so many times where I'll be narrating something and I'll be like, oh, I put the emphasis too hard on that word. And then I'll like redo it and it sounds better. And it's so like, I was watching a tutorial on kind of like that, like how when you emphasize different words, it kind of like changes the sentence completely. And I was like, and it really, that is something that always stays in the back of my mind. If I'm narrating something, I'm like, okay, maybe I should put the emphasis on this word or try this. But I really like when I have parts that I can be hysterical in because then my husband runs in and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I did it good. Awesome. <laughs> so. Do you, um, do you just go inch by inch, like doing scenes in a movie, uh, when you do your narration or is it you just do the whole thing and then go back and chop it up? Um, I usually just do the whole thing in one straight shot. And if I mess up, I'll like snap or do like a little click. Um, so that I know like where to take out the part that I messed up and then redo it. But the other day on Sunday, I tried it a little bit differently and I kind of like stopped when I messed up and then like re-recorded it. And I think that actually went faster in the long run, but I'll have to like do an actual timer on it to see <laughs> which one works better. But for my mental state, that actually worked a lot better because when I have to sit there narrating, I'll go through like a whole bag of Twizzlers with the stressful editing part so <laughs> well so i've heard i've heard narration or horror narration like what you normally do but i've also heard book narration as well as voiceover work for a character in a uh, a video game do you also do any kind of advertising on social media um, are you like a I, spokesperson for anybody i'm not but that would be really fun that i think that would be a a cool project. I actually, I need to put a demo reel together for sure. Um, and then put my work out on Fiverr. I was just waiting until I had a few things under my belt. So when I upload to Fiverr, people can see or hear what I do. So I got to admit my ignorance. You're saying Fiverr? Yeah. So okay. it's basically, it's actually a good idea for you too. Like, um, if you want to narrate audiobooks or things like that, um, authors will go on there and they'll listen to your reel, mm -hmm. your demo reel, and see if like you're a good fit, if your voice fits what they're looking for, and then okay. they'll hire you. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. How did you get into doing collabs with other people as far as narrative fiction? So that is a funny story. <laughs> I <laughs> Bring it. Yeah. So one day, like I, I think I told you in the beginning of the podcast how... Um, one day someone just found me and he's like, you're the queen of dread. And that friend, um, his name PA nightmares. And he was like, Danny, I want you to be on my channel. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Like I'll definitely be on your channel and like, maybe people will hear me. And then from there, it was like someone else, another narrator heard me on his channel and then asked me to collab on their channel and then so on and so forth. And then I will always be so eternally grateful for Swamp Dweller because he was like the first like huge narrator to really take a chance on me and be like, hey, do you want to be on my channel? And I already really liked his voice. And I remember um, just being in complete awe and shock when he asked me to be on his channel. And then from there, other narrators heard me. And it's kind of just been like from one narrator to another, like people hear me on other channels and then they ask me to collab. So that's kind of how I started i guess getting into collaborations okay well uh 
maybe I can get the the proud mother to tell me about her children. Let me see if me, you're present enough on social media that I know the name <laughs> the names of all three of your pets. Mrs. Megatron, Anakin, and last but definitely not least, Emmy. Yes, yes, Princess Emmy. Prince, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I'm just kidding. She's, <laughs> I'll she's, edit that um, out. I'll, Princess no, Emmy. I'm just kidding. She um, <laughs> she was actually. I used to call her Queen Emmy because she was like she acted like she was the queen of the house. But now I'm like, no, you're you're a princess. I'm queen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yes, that's your title. Uh, <laughs> no, but I love my babies. Like, oh my goodness. So Emmy is the first pet I, or fur child I've ever had. Ever. She's almost nine years old now. And she's just, she's my baby. She does not really like the other two, but I mean, she's kind of an old lady compared to them now. Mm-hmm. Um, Miss Megatron is, oh, she's the cutest. She's like the most beautiful. She's not very smart. Um, she, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, she won't hear this. It's okay. But <laughs> no, but I love her so much. She's just, She's scared of everything. I feel like I really love her name as Megatron, but if I could rename her, I would rename her Shadow because she's so she's scared of her own shadow. Like she will run away from it if she sees it. Uh she and Anakin get along pretty well, except when he tackles her, she gets kind of mad at him. But Anakin is just, you know, he's Anakin. He is the most adorable thing. Oh, and he's so funny, he's so energetic. Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody understands him. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised. He lo- So when we went on vacation, we took him to a pet hotel and he got put in timeout because he was too energetic for the other dogs. I, I was that like, feeling. <laughs> I was At like, least he doesn't hump the other dogs. <laughs> no, he doesn't anymore. Once we got him neutered, um, See, he's, yeah. That's the problem. My... <laughs> My fiance's dog was neutered a long time ago, <laughs> but is is extremely inappropriate with any dog comes in contact with. I have to keep a tight rein on the leash because when he gets up on his hind legs with another dog, they'll actually start hugging as long as I'm holding onto the leash. But if I let go of the leash, he's actually trying to get his arms around the other dog's neck oh. and force it down <laughs> so he can start humping their face. Oh my God. Anakin used to do that. Oh like, on God. It. Oh, dogs. But he's I neutered. Swear. Well, I don't know yeah. what's happening. <laughs> I have no idea. Actually, I wonder if that that's what they meant when they said like he was trying to mount the other dogs. I thought maybe like, cause they, they put, we got a report card from him, uh, from the hotel and it said like he did really well and he was sweet and everything. Um, but he had two timeouts because he tried to mount other dogs. And I was like, mount? Or is that a nice way of saying hump? <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Oh God. I don't know, but, um, he's been really, really sweet this, like the past week since we've been home, I guess he really did miss us. So, well, how was Cancun? It was so fun and so needed and so relaxing. We haven't had a vacation in like nine years. So we decided to just go all out, get like the swim up ocean view front. It was amazing. I made friends with um, the beach concierge. His name was Charlie Boy. He was my best friend the whole trip. He would come up because we had like the swim up room. So I'd be swimming in the little pool in front and he'd be like, tequila shot, 10 a.m. I'm like, yep, 
tequila shot at 10 a.m. Let's do this. Yeah, you make good with the concierge. He can get you whatever you need. <laughs> yep, absolutely. He was the best, though. I left him a really good review. He was just very attentive, very nice. And then when we were leaving, he's like, you come back and see me. I was like, absolutely. Yes, we'll be back. <laughs> well, as we kind of bring the show to a close, is there anything you'd like to plug? I mean, we've talked about quite a bit, but maybe to kind of line everything out as far as uh, upcoming projects? Yeah, I mean, just um, the audiobook coming out, which I'll definitely be posting on my Instagram. So if you don't follow me, please do. It's Danny.Dreadful. That is my handle. And I'm on Twitter as well as Danny Dreadful. So go ahead and follow me on there to see any upcoming projects. But for the most part, just stay tuned and I'm sure I'll have something new for you. All right. Well, before we go on the topic of people subscribing, we're recording about a week before this podcast is actually released. And I'm looking at 934 subscribers. So my OCD is going nuts. We've got to get this to a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if by the time this is released is a thousand, that's, that's fantastic. But if not, we're at 934. I don't want to do math. Let's see. What is that? Six and six? Yeah. I'm 60, bad at math. 66 yeah. more subscribers. Ooh, oh, that's kind of creepy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I hit 666 subscribers, I was so excited. Yeah. I was like, screenshot that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, 66, guys. Come on, people. Let's get it done. So, well, um, thank you for joining me, Madam Dreadful. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. This was really fun, and I know I talk a lot, so... Oh, no, that's good. That's that's That makes my job easier, because I don't have to... I don't have to do anything but listen. Well, thank you very much. I had a great time talking with you, and I look forward to all your new content. Thank you. And thank you to everyone that tuned in. If you liked today's episode, please be sure to like share, subscribe, and follow the show on Instagram and YouTube. Stay healthy, stay sane, and as always, thank you for listening. See you next time. Yeah.